everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Jesus Conversation Podcast. I am Brittany, and I am so glad you are tuning in to this episode. If this is your first time or joining us for another episode, I want to welcome you and pray these stories you're about to hear will grow you closer to Jesus and bring you encouragement. On today's episode, we will be discussing God Makes Beauty from Ashes or The God Who Sees Me. I have a very special guest with us who will be sharing his own life story and how God took his life, which looked to be headed in one direction, and completely changed the trajectory. Our guest today is a little different from our usual guests, and this man has his own ministry. He is a well-known evangelist who preaches across the U.S. to adults and children alike. If you would like more information about his ministry, or if you would like him to come and speak at your school or organization, we will include his information at the end of this episode. So without further ado, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Ronnie Hill. Ronnie, thank you so much for being here today, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Ms. Brittany. Good to be here. So, Ronnie, you're an evangelist. So, can you tell me kind of what that means? Well, basically, uh, I get the privilege uh, to travel all around the country and other parts of the world and tell people how Jesus loves them and wants to change their life. And I do it in all different kinds of forms from we do church revivals, uh, one days, wild game dinners, NASCAR races, Sturgis Bike Week, rodeos. We did all different kind of venues. That's amazing. How long have you been doing that for? Man, I've been traveling for about 35 years, but I've been preaching since I was 14. Oh, wow. So was it something you were brought up in the church doing with your family, or how oh, did no. you? <laughs> Not originally. No, I, I, my family didn't know Jesus. And um, so uh, it, it, it came about it. I got saved before my whole family, but better, matter of fact. And um, then two years later, after just praying that God would save my dad, two years later, God saved him. And then two years after that, God called my dad to preach. We sold everything we had, moved to Fort Worth. He went to seminary, got his first church in Oklahoma. And while he was preaching in Oklahoma, I surrendered to preach the gospel underneath his ministry. Wow. How long did you do that before you started branching out in the evangelist part? Well, so I went to college at Oklahoma Baptist University and played baseball. And while I was there, church asked me to be their youth minister. So I would drive back and forth on the weekends and then also on Wednesdays and do a youth service. And um, I did that for a year and a half before an evangelist asked me to travel with him for the summer. And so it was supposed to be just for the summer. And then he asked me to stay on full time with him after that. And uh, I was with him for 10 years. Oh, that's amazing. And after that, you just kind of took off on your own? Yeah. In 97, I was sitting in a church service when he was preaching. And it was very clear to me. And the Lord said, there's no reason for two evangelists to be sitting in the same service. So I went up to him and I told him afterwards, I said, hey, I got to go alone. He said, well, man, come on, just stay with me. Just like, just like two more years. I'm like, man, I can't. I said, I'll stay with you six more months, help you find somebody, train them. But then I got to go alone. That's and amazing. So that's what happened. That's awesome. Were you nervous going on your own? And by that time you had done it so much. Oh, yeah. No, well, no, it's, I mean, I wasn't nervous about going on my own. The issue was about, you know, you go from having a job to no job to then you're like, how, how am I going to make it? How am I going to finance this? You know, nobody knows who I am. And God told me very clearly when I was sitting in that service and he told me that. He said, I, I called you. I'll provide for you. That's awesome. So. Now, you weren't married at this time, is that no, right? No, no. I was single. You were single. Okay. Yeah. Now, if I remember right, you were married older in your older age, Yes. Right? I didn't get married until I was 33. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So. And it wasn't because I wanted to be <laughs> single. I wanted to be married. So, uh, but God had uh, other plans. All right, so I'm a sucker for love stories, so I want to know, how, how did you meet your wife? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> sorry, let me, I was, um, 
I was sick and tired of being single. And um, I, I was like, God, I'm, I'm doing all this for you. I'm traveling all around the world. I'm 32 years old. God, I do not want to be by myself. And so I went on a 40-day fast. Uh-huh. And I was like, and the reason we fast is so our prayers will be heard on high. And I was like, God, I want you to hear me loud and clear. <laughs> so uh, in the middle of that fast, about day 21, day 22, God gave me a promise out of Isaiah 62. And I just bought a piece of land, and I couldn't decide if I was going to stay here in Fort Worth area or if I was going to move back down south with my parents. And I said, um, you know, Lord, I, I got to hear from you. And so he gave me this promise and said, no longer will your land be deserted, but you'll be called Hipspa, which means my delight is in her, and your land Beulah, which means married. It says, as a young man rejoiced over his bride, so I rejoice over you. I place watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. So then I knew, okay, he's got somebody for me. And so like six months later, I'm from Texas. My wife is from Florida, and we met in Ohio. <laughs> and so she was working for NASA, and uh, she was going to Oregon for a cryogenic seminar. She stopped in Cincinnati to see some friends. There was an aunt and there was a grandma. She was going to go to church with the grandma. The aunt said, no, you got to come hear me preach. I mean, or, or Emory sing. I'm singing in church on Sunday morning. So she says, okay. So she goes with the grandma or with the aunt. And uh, I was preaching in that church that she showed up in. So I'm sitting up on stage. And uh, you got to remember, by this time, you know, 32 years old, I could tell whether a woman had a ring on from 500 yards away. <laughs> So uh, I'm set up on stage, and I see she didn't have a ring on. I'm like, tell the pastor I said that. And, you know, we're singing, you know, and I said, hey, pastor. I said, who's that girl there? He said, I have no idea. I've never seen her before in my life. Uh, he said, but I know who she's sent by. I said, well, we got to find out. So as <laughs> soon as I get through preaching, I go right back to, you know, try to, to meet her. Try, go, and she's head towards the back door. And all these people want to talk to me and say, hey, you know, I enjoyed your message. And I'm like, yeah, bless your ministry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to hurry up and get back to the back because I don't want you know, her to leave. So I get back. I catch her at the back door, and uh, we exchange phone numbers and stuff. And she ends up coming to, you know, the, that night service and all that. And the rest is history, and there you go. That's amazing. And how long have y'all been married now? 21 years. 21 years. And y'all have one son? Is that one correct? One son. Okay. He's a senior in high school, graduating here in just a few weeks. That's awesome. Now, I heard that he has he's getting two degrees. Is that right? Yes. He is uh, graduating with his associate's degree first, uh, just in a couple of days. And then he's going to graduate with his high school diploma uh, in, uh, just a few weeks later. That's and amazing. so he's going to go to Baylor, and he wants to be a biblical archaeologist. Now, what is a biblical archaeologist? So basically, they study the history. He's really intrigued with Israel uh, during the Bronze Age time, and he uh, he wants to end up getting his PhD from Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Wow! So where they study all the archaeological artifacts and bring history to life and all that. That's amazing. I'll be in prayer for him. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you. That sounds really cool. Now let me now let me get this straight. Now, if you guys met in Ohio. Now, where did y'all live in the meantime? Because you just moved to Weatherford not long ago. Is that right? Yes. So uh, we met in Ohio, but she was in Florida. That's where she was working for NASA. So as soon as we got married, she moved to Fort Worth, and I was living in Haslett already. And uh, we had two and a half acres there, and it was real small. And we, we rodeo, so we team rope and all that. My son had also had, at the time, show heifers and steers and stuff. And our little piece of property, you were only supposed to have, like, two animals on it. And we had like four or five. So uh, we ended up, uh, we tried to sell it several times, couldn't sell it. And uh, matter of fact, we were on HGTV and had our own episode and tried to sell it and couldn't do it. So 
we took it off the market and uh we did my wife left it on zillow and then out of the blue somebody calls us as soon as we took it off the market and said hey we want to buy your house and so they gave us a full price offer they bought our house we didn't have anywhere to go <laughs> so so we're like lord where do you want us to go you know and so friend of mine that I rope with, he said, hey, you can come put your RV out there by my roping arena and you can put your horses out there and stuff. And so we said, okay. So we, we went out there and rented for him for a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, we found this place in Weatherford and uh, God brought us there and it's 62 and a half acres. Wow. And um, we um, has an arena and barn and all that stuff. And my wife said, we can't afford this. And because I'm a, I'm a minister. So we have a, a set housing allowance. That's all we have. And um, my, I have board members that set my salary and all that stuff. And so it's not like I can go, well, I just decided to you know, buy, build a bigger houses. I can't do that. Right. So uh, I was like, okay, let's just, uh, let's just see. So we, we put it out there and said, this is what we can afford. It was the same price that we were affording in Haslett, two and a half acres. Wow. And um, so my realtor's like, they're going to get mad at you. You can't do that. I'm like, that's all we can afford. She said, okay. So she puts the offer in. We don't hear from them for a week. A week later, they come back and they lowered it $100,000. Whoa. And she was so excited. She said, they lowered it $100,000. They lowered it. I said, but we can't afford that. I told you we can't afford that. She goes, okay, but you need at least a counter. I go, no, we, I cannot. That's, is all, that's all I can do. She said, okay. So she goes and tells them. Another week goes by. Don't hear from them until a week later. They come back. They lowered it another $100,000. Oh, my God. She said, they lowered another $100,000. I said, so did did you not hear what I said? This is all I can afford. And she goes, well, you're going to make them mad. I said, well, they can be mad. So she goes and tells them they go ghost. We don't hear from them. Their own realtor doesn't hear from them. Nothing. She said, you done made them mad now. I said, well, that's all we can afford. So in the meantime, God gave me a promise. And uh, when Hezekiah, the king of Israel, was being attacked by three different nations, he cried out and said, God, there's no way we can go against these three countries. We're outnumbered. There's no way we can do this. And God told Hezekiah, he said, Hezekiah, this isn't your fight. This is my fight. You don't even have to lift one finger. I'm going to take care of it. Matter of fact, you're going to go out tomorrow and you're going to watch. I'm going to just totally wipe them out and you're not going to have to fire one arrow. And then you're going to pick up all the plunder. And so I told my family that. And so a few days go by, my, my son said, hey, dad, well, I thought you said we we're going to get that place. I said, Jake. God's doing stuff behind the scenes we don't even know about. So I said, I'm just telling you what the Lord said. So the day we closed on our land in Haslett, and the day we got funded, they called us back and said, we accept your offer. Oh, my gosh. So, so we went from two and a half acres to 62 and a half, and an arena and a barn and all that. God did all that. We didn't lift one finger. God did it all. And there's no way that we could have afforded that. Yeah. We couldn't do it. That's amazing. So, so thank you, Ronnie, for humoring me in that. I just love watching how God made all that work together for good. That's amazing. So, Ronnie, i got to be honest. Since the first time I heard your story, it's been really heavy on my heart. And so I really feel like our listeners need to hear your story. And so I'm, I would love to give you that opportunity to tell that now. There was a 17-year-old girl that was raped by an 18-year-old guy. And as a result of the rape, she became pregnant and she couldn't have an abortion. Matter of fact, a lady tried to take her to an abortion clinic to get her to abort the baby. And this 17-year-old girl said, no, I'm, I'm going to have this baby. Nine months later, she had a six and a half pound baby boy. And that baby boy is me. And I'm not here by accident. 
And just like I'm not here by accident, you're not here by accident either. And um, I, di I didn't really get that. I didn't know that. You know, um, like I was shared earlier, we didn't go to church when I was growing up. I mean, we, we go two times a year, you know, Christmas and Easter type of deal. And um, I'll never forget one day one, in one of those times we, um, we were sitting in church and I heard for the first time in my life that God loved me. God cared about me. But I, I didn't know that he loved, I didn't know he knew my zip code, much less he loved and cared about me. But the preacher, when he was talking, said I had a problem. I was thinking, I don't have a problem. He said, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've done that. He said, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Because I'd sinned, I deserved to die and go to hell. But I, I didn't want to go to hell. He said, you don't have to go to hell. He said, God loved you so much. He said, his son, Jesus, out of heaven, down this earth, down across for you to pay for your sins. And if you're willing to repent and turn from your sins and commit your life to him, he'll change you forever. And I was like, well, sign me up for that because I, I don't have that peace and that purpose that you're talking about, you know. And so right then and there, I prayed and I invited Christ to come to my life. And he saved me and changed me forever. And I've never again been the same. And, and what he did for me, he can do for you. And I, I'm no more special than anybody else. And um, to give you the Paul Harvey version of the story, now for the rest of the story, <clears throat> the deal was my wife, I mean, my mom, when she was 17, <clears throat> she was dating a guy. She'd been dating for like two years. And it was during the uh, Vietnam War. And so he was stationed down in Louisiana. And um, my mom was living in South Texas uh, with her parents. And uh, one weekend, their, uh, so their, uh, they went to see some friends in Central Texas. And when they went to see the friends, um, their friend's son raped my mom while they were there. And so uh, nobody talked about that stuff back then. My mom thought it was her fault. She, they came back home that next weekend. And so um, this guy that raped my mom, she never saw him again. But her boyfriend that she'd been dating for two years came back a month later. My mom had found out she's pregnant. They got married. They got transferred to Kansas, the Big Red One, uh, the Army base up there. And this guy that my mom married, her, her boyfriend, he was an alcoholic. He beat my mom, ran around on her and all that stuff. And so... Um, I mean, it was so bad, like he would take his paycheck on Friday night, go out partying, drinking and stuff and blow the whole paycheck. And we were having to you know, eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the rest of the week. It was that kind of deal. And so then they had my next brother, Alan. So when I was three and I was one, this guy that my mom married, um, she had had enough. She called my grandpa who worked for the sheriff's department part time. He came up in the middle of the night, got us, drove us home and we ended up living with my grandparents. And so uh, my mom finally you know, got the courage months later after the divorce uh, to finally start dating again. She ended up going to this uh, country western two-stepping bar and uh, met this guy named Jamie. And Jamie ended up asking my mom uh, to marry him. And I'll never forget, I was talking to my dad uh, the other day, and he said that he had to try to remember my mom's phone number while he was drunk, and it was hard for him to do. But uh, he, he got the phone number, he got it memorized, and... Uh, so they they end up going out. They fall in love. And uh, my dad ends up asking my mom to marry him. She said yes. And so when they got married, Jamie, who I consider my dad, went into legal procedures and adopted uh, me and my brother Alan as his own sons. So my name changed from Ronnie McGahey. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and if your name's McGahey, not slamming on your name, it's just easier for a three-year-old to spell Hill, H-I-L-L. -L. That was my dad's last name. And so um, I finally had a dad. But but nothing changed as far as now he didn't run around on my mom and all that kind of stuff. My dad 
was a, a plumbing contractor for a, com- a plumbing business. He ran a, a commercial business. And so uh, he was a good old boy. He drank a six-pack of Lone Star a day, six, uh, 12 uh, a case on the weekend. And um, But there was a lot of fighting, and there was a lot of threats of divorce and all that kind of stuff in our home. But I'll never forget that day I gave my life to Christ and I was saved. I'll never forget it because now my mom got saved about the same time I did uh, reading a Dell Evans book, Roy Rogers and Dell Evans. And, uh, but she got saved about the same time, either month before or month after. But the day I gave my life to Christ, I, I could not wait to go home and tell my dad because I didn't want my dad to go to hell. And um, I'll never forget, he didn't come to church with us that day because his excuse that day was he was building shelves in the garage. So I'll never forget, we pulled up in the driveway and I was riding shotgun because I called it. And uh, my two brothers were in the back seat. And my mom didn't even get the car stopped. And I opened the door and I jump out. I run to my dad. I said, Dad, Dad, guess what I mean, Dad? Dad, guess what I mean, Dad? He stopped hammering and turned around. I said, what, son? I said, Dad, I got saved today. He said, that's good, son. Turned around and went back to hammering. Because my dad didn't have a clue what being saved meant. And I had such a burden. I, I ran the house. I knelt down the couch. Uh, my two brothers with me, my mom. And I started praying that God would save my dad. You said, why'd you do that? I, I believe the pastor. Pastor said, God hears our prayers, so I'm going to let him know. So I'm like, God, please save my dad. Don't, don't let my dad go to hell. And I, I prayed every single day for two years. And two years later, God orchestrated some events that brought my dad to church with us, not once, which was huge. Not two, not three, but four Sundays in a row. The fourth Sunday, my dad, as a grown man, walked down the aisle of the church, gave his life to Christ, and was saved. I'm talking drinking, smoking, cussing, stop. Never saw it in the house again. My dad got the Word, started reading the Bible, started doing what it says. Man, it wasn't a question whether we were going to church then. And, and all these, you know, brat church kids that complain about their parents dragging them to church. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I was glad we were going to church because I remember having to get up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning when I was 4 years old, 5 years old, and driving to Angleton, Texas to pick up my dad from Tap 98 Beer Joint because he was too drunk to drive home. So you want to drag me to church? Man, I'm all for it because when he gave his life to Christ, there was peace in our home. There was no more of the fighting and threats of divorce and all that junk. And um, I'm going to tell you what, and what he did for me and my family, he could do for you. And I, I just want you to know this isn't, I'm not blowing smoke. This is the real deal. Jesus changed my life. And he can change yours. And I'm going to give you a chance in just a minute for that to happen to you as well. If you've never done that before, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity right where you're seated or whether you're driving down the road, listening to this podcast, whether you're driving down the road, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, he will change your life forever. And not too long after he changed my dad's life, two years later, God called my dad to preach. We sold everything we had, moved to Fort Worth, Texas. He went to seminary, got his first church in Oklahoma. Not long after that, uh, he was there for probably six years. And then he ended up starting a cowboy church back where we're from. And I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of lives have been changed as a result of my dad giving his life to Christ. And he pastored that church, that cowboy church in Brazoria, Texas, for 34 years. And he just retired two months ago. You know, Ronnie, hearing your story makes me think of some interesting things from the Bible. You know, and we're today we're talking about, you know, beauty from ashes. And, you know, I'm a fact person. I like fun facts. And a fun fact um, about, you know, where beauty from ashes actually comes from in the book of Isaiah, 
um, tells us this, and it's Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and it states this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and in their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just so comforting yeah. to know the Lord can just stand with those who are brokenhearted? Mm-hmm. And you know, digging into those fun facts, I wanted to know what the true meaning of beauty from ashes meant. And so started digging and I found out that in Hebrew, that that translation literally means like a turban that mm-hmm. one would wear on their head. And as we know from Old Testament, you know, when they are in mourning, they will throw, you know, the sackcloth on, they'll throw the ashes on their head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to symbolize that. Even when you put that turban on, it's to symbolize that mourning. But hearing this beauty from ashes, it gives me hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it lets me know that the Lord can take any circumstance of any person mm-hmm. and show them that they'd have a purpose. And mm-hmm. I'd like to prove that. So I, you know, when I started talking to you on the phone, Ronnie, about meeting up with you and doing this, I went to God and I said, Lord, you know, what is somehow, where is there a story in the Bible that I can tie in Ronnie's story and just continue to teach your people? And the word Hagar came into my mind. Mm -hmm. And so um, back in Genesis chapter 16, we learn about a servant girl named Hagar. And in the Old Testament, we learn about a man named Abraham who had a wife named Sarah. Now, Sarah was not able to have children, and they had waited a long time to have children. And then, you know, we come to find out that the Lord comes to Abraham, and they promise a son. But at this point in time, I think Abraham was 100 Mm -hmm. when they ended up having um, their son. But at this point in time, it just hadn't come yet. Mm -hmm. So the short version tells us that um, Sarah got impatient and asked Hagar, her servant, to lay with Abram, who has not become Abraham just yet. And, you know, Hagar eventually, I think, kind of gets a little prideful, and she ends up running away from Sarah. And then this is where God steps in. So Hagar has run away, and she's out in the desert by herself. And an angel of the Lord appears to her and asks her two questions. First, he says, where have you come from? And second, he asks, where are you going? And what I find funny about that is that Hagar really only answers one of those questions. And she states, I'm running away from my mistress. And that's in Genesis 16, 8. Well, the angel then prompts her to return to her mistress in verse 11. It states, As you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son, you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. If we float down to verse 13, it states, Therefore, Hagar used another name for the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me, or El Roy. So Ronnie, hearing your story makes me think of Hagar. She was put into a situation that wasn't ideal, yet she leaned on God anyway. And now look, you're here showing people the love of God and bringing the good news all over the world. But your mom is a testament to faith. Mm-hmm. And that even situations that look like mourning, 
that look like those ashes, the Lord can make beauty from it. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting, too, is that Abraham and Sarah did what they thought was right in the moment to satisfy a need they had. But as you know, people are sinful. And what's crazy about your story, too, is your mother is the direct result of the sinful behavior from another human being. Mm-hmm. But God still saw her just like he saw Hagar. Mm-hmm. And he sees the oppressed. He sees the unwanted. He sees the unborn. And all of those matter to him. Mm-hmm. And I believe Hagar's faith in God was restored that day. And what's even crazier in my mind is when we go back and look in Genesis 21, when Hagar is actually cast away by Sarah and Abraham. And this is after the birth of, um, or once Isaac had come in, um, Abraham and Sarah sent her away. But God still meets with her again. Mm-hmm. And it says here, But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from he- heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation of his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled the water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful skillful archer and settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. And as we know, the descendants of Ishmael end up being the Arab tribes, which we know today. Mm-hmm. So despite the sinful nature of the decisions of Abraham and Sarah, God still saw Hagar, Hagar and used her and her son for his will. So I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness and love for us mm-hmm. and for his will to make beauty from ashes in any situation. So in closing today, Ronnie, can I ask, is there something that you would like to tell our listeners before you leave? Yeah. Um, You know, this story that you bring up, um, two things, because they jumped ahead of God and they decided, oh, no, we're going to go ahead and do this our way. That's why you still have the fighting in the Middle East right now to this day because of Ishmael Ishmael and them. So that's one thing. The other thing is, like what you were talking about, uh, the Bible says in Romans 8, it says, God will work all things for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. This thing that happened to Hagar, it wasn't good. And but and the thing that happened to my mom, my mom being raped, that wasn't a good thing. But God doesn't say that all things that happen to us are going to be good. He says that he will work all things out for his good. Right. And so even that that horrible thing happened to my mom, God turned it for good, for his glory. My life verse now is Genesis 50, verse 20, which says, what you intend to harm for me, God intended for the good, for the saving of many souls. So there are, there are a lot of you out there that are hurting, and you're upset, maybe blaming God for stuff that's happened in the past. Maybe uh, you lost a loved one, a mom, a dad at an early age. Maybe um, somebody has rejected you. Maybe you've gone through a horrible divorce uh, that wasn't none of your doing. He said, why, why is this, God, why are you doing this to me? Don't blame God on stuff that he didn't do. But I want you to know this. No matter what happens, God will work it for your good. But do you hear what he said? For people who love God and are called into his purpose. That's who he's going to work it out for his good. 
So if you don't know him and you, you say, well, I, I don't know how to know him, you can know him now. You say, how? The Bible talks about that we have to be willing to repent and turn from our sin and believe in him. And, you know, there's a lot of people that believe there's a God. And I'm sure I'm talking to a lot of listeners that maybe you were baptized as a baby or you grow up in church your whole life. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about where you baptized as a baby. I'm talking about has there ever been a point in your life where you've gone all in with Jesus? And you say, well, what do you mean by that? What I'm talking about is saying, God, I admit I've sinned against you. And God, I'm willing to turn and repent of my sins. And I want to commit my entire life to you for the rest of my life. If you've never done that before and you want to, you want peace, you want purpose, you want meaning. Because I'm not blowing smoke. This Jesus, he changed my life. He changed Brittany's life. And what he did for us, he can do for you. And if you wanted to right now, whether you're driving down the road or sitting at your computer, you can pray and invite Christ to come to your life. You say, how? I'm going to pray this prayer and it's going to go like this. And, and it's not a magical prayer. We're not blessing the food. I'm talking about you saying, yeah, I, I want to go all in with Jesus. I, I've known about him, but I've never known him personally. See, because the Bible says in James 2, 19, you believe in one God, good, the demons of hell believe too and they tremble. Satan knows there's a God. There's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him personally. And that's what I'm talking about you doing right now, making a commitment to say, I'm going to commit my life to you for the rest of my life. And if you've never done that, I'm going to pray that prayer. And right where you're seated or driving down the road or whatever, you can pray this right now with me and invite Christ to come to your life and let him change you forever. So if you've never done that before, you can pray with me right now. Just a simple, you're just repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus. So just pray with me right now. Right, I don't care if you're where, you, where you're at. Pray out loud right now where you're at and just repeat after me. You it, pray this your prayer to God and invite him into your life if you've never done this before. Pray this with me right now. Dear God, just repeat after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, man, we just want to follow up with you. We want to encourage you. So you, at the beginning of this uh, podcast and at the end, you can go to Brittany's website and just email her and just let her know, hey, Brittany, I, I prayed that prayer uh, with Ronnie. We just want to encourage you. We want to send you some information. We're not here to try to hunt you down or anything like that. We just want to pray for you and encourage you because now you're part of the family of God. And let me tell you a couple of things. Number one, when you die, it's a guaranteed thing that you're going to go to heaven. Not because you're a good person, not because you went to church, not because you were baptized, but because you just repent of your sins and believed in Jesus. And he paid for your sins on the cross. When he died on the cross and he was buried in the grave and he rose from the dead, he paid for your sins and they're gone. You're free now. And not only did he, he forgive you of your sins, he's come to live in you. And the Bible says in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. He wants you to do more than just get by. He wants you to experience life to the full. And you can have that now. And I want to encourage you, if you don't go to church somewhere, man, find a good church that preaches the Bible, that loves people, that knows how to worship. Get involved in that church and uh, and read your word every day. You say, I don't know where to start. Man, just go to John, the book of John, chapter 1, and just start reading a chapter a day. 
He said, well, I don't have a Bible. Download the free Bible app, version. That's Y-O-U version. And get, download that Bible app. And it's on there for free. You can even play it as you're going down the road. Just click on John. Read the NLT version. It's real simple. It's easy to understand. That's how you get started. But we want to encourage you on that. If you need more information on that, email us and we'll, we'll let you know how to do that as well. But I'm excited for you. I'm excited for him too, Ronnie. That's awesome. Well, Ronnie, I've enjoyed myself greatly. I'm so thankful that you came in today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I had a great time. It's been a lot of fun. Well, Ronnie, normally I like to praise out, but would you do the honors for today? today I would be for glad us? to. I'd be glad to. Father, we just come to you and thank you for this ministry. And uh, we just ask you to just continue to bless Brittany and her ministry and just uh, that the, the word will get out and the gospel will get out, um, not just here in Texas or the United States, but all over the world. And uh, we just pray, God, that you use, use, use this platform. And for those that are listening, Lord, that are hurting, that are like Hagar, maybe they feel like that nobody loves them, nobody cares about them, that doesn't know, you know, that nobody's interested in them. God, I pray you let them sense your presence like never before. And you touch them right now, right where they're at. And you become real to them, Lord. Let them know you really do love them and you really do want a relationship with them. Speak to them, Father. Heal their heart hurts, their heart, their hearts that are in pain, that are broken. Mend those broken hearts, Lord. Restore them. And thank you for your promise that no matter what happens to us, God, that you will turn it for your good and your glory. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, if you were just as touched by Ronnie's story as I am and would like for him to come speak at your church or organization, please feel free to reach out to his ministry online at www.ronniehill.com. That's Ronnie spelled R-O-N-N-I-E, where you can find his updated schedule, a quick three-minute recap of his story from today, and lots of information about his ministry. Again, Ronnie, thank you for joining us. It has been such a pleasure, and I pray thank everybody you. has a blessed week. Amen.